Hello and welcome back to The Moments That Made Me. Before we kick off with this week's incredible episode, I just wanted to let you all know that my first book, Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life, is available to pre-order now. I am beyond excited and proud and just over the moon and I cannot wait for you guys to get your hands on it. It will be released on the 6th of January 2022 and it will teach you absolutely everything you need to know to manifest literally anything that you want into your life. It is a self-development book, a self-help book, an empowerment book, and of course, a guide to manifesting. So you can pre-order from Amazon or Waterstones or Audible from now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. Today, I am joined by the absolutely incredible Ruth Ann. Ruth is a Grammy-nominated Irish singer-songwriter. Ruth's written and co-written for the likes of Britney Spears, BB Rexa, One Directions, JoJo, and Martin Garrett, to name just a few. And she is now a successful solo artist since debuting her first single back in 2018. I am so excited to be sitting down and hearing her three defining moments that got her to where she is today. Hi, Ruth. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good, me. how are you? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Where are you? I'm in London. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'm Irish, but I live in Southeast London. So, yeah, I'm here. So you are currently expecting the birth of your first child, right? Yes, I'm actually sitting doing this in her, what's going to be her nursery. So I oh. am very excited. Not long to go. I'm in my third trimester, so... Oh Not gosh, long how are you feeling? I feel good. Yeah, I feel I'm getting heavier. <laughs> I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting quite heavy and singing is, is getting harder because of the breathing and everything. But um, I'm feeling good and I'm actually just really excited. Yeah, I'm oh. very excited. Oh, I feel like it's so special to have you on. <laughs> like magical stage. Yeah. So let's dive straight in with your first defining moment. My first defining moment that got me where I am today is definitely my dad when I was 17. And I had been like at home producing on these like little loop beats and making songs at home in my bedroom. And my dad entered one of them into this uh, songwriting competition, which was like the biggest deal in Ireland at the time. It was like for under 20s and it was a songwriting competition and the um, the winner received like 10,000 euro worth of Yamaha equipment, got press. It was on, on the biggest radio station. The song got played 
And my dad, without knowing, um, without me knowing, submitted my one of my demos, which was me and my girl band at the time, and um, singing a song that I'd written and produced called Battleground. And we got to perform it. We got down to the top 10 and then we got to perform it live in one of the big venues there. And then I won. So because of winning that, uh, so it was like right after the day after my leaving cert, after I'd won that and I got the Yamaha equipment and I got a lot of press attention in Ireland for kind of being 17 and winning this competition. And then a manager found me through that and he was managing Mark and Danny from the script at the time who weren't the script yet. They were in LA being writer, writers and producers. And he kind of started getting to know me and my family and was like, I want to manage you. I want to take you to LA. I've got an office in LA. And so my parents let, ha, said I had to sit my exams, my final exams, because they wanted me to have my education to fall back on in case. And then the yeah. day after my leaving cert exams, which is kind of the equivalent of like the A-levels or the GCSEs, mm-hmm. the day after I sat my final one, um, I, fl- I was flown to LA and that led to three days later, um, me meeting uh, Billy Steinberg and Josh Alexander. And I co-wrote Too Little Too Late on that first trip three days in. So that kind what? of was a, quite a defining moment. Yeah. To get me to that wow. place. Yeah. It happened so fast. Yeah. How did you even, or did you even process it at the time what was happening? Or were you just kind of in this like roller coaster, just like, what? Yeah, I was like 17. I had never been to America before. I wasn't really ever away from my parents. Um, and I was traveling with this manager and his family. So they, my mom and dad had gotten to know his family over the months before. Um, so they felt safe. And But it was like everything at once. It was like going to Hollywood, having never stepped foot in America before. Um, and being hit with this cult- different, completely different culture than Irish culture. And mm-hmm. then being put into the rooms with... Billy Steinberg is like a huge, huge Grammy, multiple Grammy winner. He wrote True Colors. He wrote Like a Virgin. He wrote some of the biggest classics ever. So to kind of be in a room with him. But I feel like because I was 17, I hadn't got any fear. I hadn't been, quote unquote, like damaged yet or anything. So I was like, I was quite like fearless in a way. And And I sat and played a song for him. And he was like, yeah, come write with me and my buddy, you know, me and my buddy Josh tomorrow. And then when I walked in and we did Too Little Too Late, we actually wrote two songs over two days. And uh, I just remember singing the demo thinking, oh God, this sounds like Jojo. In my head, I was like, I I, I didn't say it to them because we were writing for me as an artist at the time. But I was like, oh, this really sounds like a Jojo song in my head. And two years later, I got a call saying, hey, you know, that song we did, Jojo wants to record it. And I immediately, without hesitation, was like, yes, because that's who I heard singing it. And I didn't feel like it fitted me as what I wanted to do as an artist. So I was like, definitely give it to her. And that was kind of the, the, that was the breakthrough moment of my career, which led to all these other things. My mouth is like on the floor. (laughs) I'm really with you in this, in this trip in America, going to the studio unbelievable and I guess really I think it's very rare actually to meet these people who just obviously you just have exceptional talent exceptional and do you feel that that was something that I mean firstly is it something that you knew really early on and secondly do you think that had 
your parents, because obviously, I mean, your dad sent off this tape and the demo and stuff. Do you think if they hadn't nur- kind of nurtured this gift that you had, the same thing would have happened? Um, definitely, because I had I had a few friends around me at the time who were into like dancing and singing and we were in stage together and some of their parents weren't as supportive and wanted mm. them to get their education, wanted them, wanted them to go to college and kind of forced that direction which I think led to, for some of my friends, you know, a lot of, a lot of, like, they always wonder what would have happened if they had have pursued their passion for dance or singing or acting. Whereas my parents, they weren't pushy at all. They took their lead from me. I never remember them being like, you have to write a song or you have to go to this. It was me going, can I go to this stage school? Can I go to this acting class? Can I listen to the song I just wrote? They gave me, they just gave me all the tools. Like my dad gave me a, um, it was music all around my house. My mom and dad play in church and sing in church. And they, you know, so I grew up around sing songs were always what was happening in our house. You know, if there was ever a party, it was like sing song. If we went on holidays, we, we started the sing song and everywhere we went. So I was used to kind of singing for people and, and entertaining people and, and that being part of our, family lifestyle of like performing and singing your songs and everything but I felt like they they were quite encouraging of like they gave me a two-track tape recorder and a microphone and it was like had it in my bedroom and I could write my songs and then they would listen to all the songs and they would say oh that's amazing right you know you should write another one that's great like very casually encouraging and nurturing this talent they they saw me starting to play the piano and teaching myself so they then my mom was like, do you want piano lessons? Or like, it was very led by me, but very supported by them. And obviously when you're 17, it's a big decision to not go to college. So my mom had said to me, once you get your exams, then I'm, then I'm fine. You can do whatever you want once you have that to fall back on. But I thought it was, they obviously had a lot of belief in me to like, I got into some music colleges, but you know, what's better than the actual experience of the music industry, my my mom and dad felt. So they were like, okay, well, yeah. you're in safe hands with this manager and we know his family now. And um, so they kind of really had this belief in me. So yeah, I think that without that belief, it, it would have been a lot. I think I inevitably would have, would have ended up in music no matter what, because it's all I can really do. But um, <laughs> I think they definitely helped um, me start younger, for sure. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I absolutely love that. I find it really inspiring. And it's honestly like just such a great piece of parental advice. I feel like I just heard. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So what was then your second defining moment? My second defining moment was probably moving to making the move to LA, like actually moving to LA for eight years. Um. Because at the time before that, I was kind of coming back and forth um, to L.A. And Mm. to take the plunge and kind of move countries and, you know, go into that culture fully. I felt like I was on the cusp of really I'd had some hits and then I had been in London for a while. And then I was like, you know what, I really need to take this plunge. And it was very scary. It's very scary moving countries and it's very unsettling. And anyone who's done it knows it's a nightmare with bank accounts and you know, you've got no credit and you've got to build credit. You're kind of like this, you know, unknown person to the whole of the society. So it can really be a headache and you're moving away from family. And that was a huge deal for me because I'm very close to my family and Ireland, you know, Irish people were very grounded and we're, you know, and, and it's hard to leave home, I think. And so Mm. taking the plunge and actually moving there 
was what I wanted to do to kind of get my career to the next level. And I wanted to learn from the best. I wanted to be around the best. I wanted to work with the best. And I felt like there was such a high pool of talent there that I could learn from and be mentored from and, and become better at what I did. So I really went to LA to really work on my craft and, and to live there. And living there was completely different, you know, than going back and forth to there. So uh, I would say that that probably was one of the defining moments where I kind of really then um, hit a stride and ended up, you know, having more success as a songwriter. So when you say that it was different living there, what kind of things really for you were were, make, were, were making those kind of that, that big difference? Uh, it's very, it's because I have a, because I wouldn't have, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with LA. I loved it for the work. <laughs> And I loved it for some of the people I met and some of the friends I made and some of the the work success that I had. But it was very, very difficult on my mental health. And there was a lot of misogyny I experienced there. And there was a lot of kind of feeling like you're just kind of surviving and trying to be successful and make everyone's in L.A. to make something. You know, they're not. Right. No one's really there, especially if you've come from Texas or Ireland or in it. You're not really there to just like chill. Everyone's hustling. Everyone's networking. Everything is a business exchange. It's very difficult to know who your real friends are, who aren't. It's very easy to get pulled into the Hollywood glamour and the bad stuff. You have to be incredibly strong to not fall into that trap. And so I would say that it was um, an incredibly challenging time, but uh, in a, but at a time where I really grew up and yeah. experienced a lot of things, experienced things to make me know, okay, I don't like that, and or experienced a lot of amazing things. So yeah, it was very defining for me as a woman because it was a lot of heartbreak. It was dating in LA. It was um, being around celebrity lifestyle and and having success, not having success, and then having a lot of success. So yeah, it was uh, and being poor there. And then being, and then having success and, and making money there. So it was like, it was like everything you could experience in your twenties living in Hollywood. I am, I mean, I absolutely love this. And I think it's really interesting hearing you say, look, I, I experienced all these highs and lows. And I think people are always searching, you know, let's say if they don't have success, they're searching for the success or if they don't have money and they're searching for money. And I think it's really interesting when you, when you have experienced both sides of the coin. Yeah. And so for you having experienced, um, you know, maybe not having the success and then having it and having low, low points and, um, you know, in this kind of hustle nature, which can be really just so intense and damaging for our self-esteem. What do you think you then learn? through all of that like what was then your kind of philosophy on let's say sorry if this is like a bit of a big question but what is that what was then your philosophy on like what actually makes you happy because I you know I'm just fascinated you've done so much like understanding your take on that well I think that ultimately realizing that you know you're around a lot of celebrities you're around a lot of people who have money and that and that doesn't equate to happiness seeing seeing really the the side of the the other side of glamour, the other side of fame, the other side of all that. I was very close to all that. Um, mm. And it made me really realize that success isn't everything. Um, I feel like I kind of grew up thinking, I really want to be successful in music. I really want, you know, and you just have your eyes set on this prize. And then when you get there, you realize how important 
it is to have to nurture your relationships. Relationships are so important. Your friendships, you know, making a family, finding someone that you love, like your, fa- you know, all this and, and your family are important. And it really makes you kind of realize what actually is important because when you achieve a lot of those things, I always used to say, you know, when I was living in LA and I was kept getting my heart broke and I was just be around some toxic business environments and personal environments. Mm-hmm. And I used to always say like success is nothing if it's at the expense of my mental health or mm-hmm. at the expense of me not having anyone to share it with or to experience these high moments with, you know, um, cause in LA there can be this mentality of like, you're, you know, you're only as good as your last hit and you have to keep going and you have to keep hustling. And you have to keep hustling and it can get mm-hmm. very exhausting. And so for me, I kind of, learned like you just have to learn like what fulfills you what really is going to fulfill you and for me ultimately that meant um leaving LA and not living there going back and forth to there um to work and I still well before the pandemic I was still able to do that but um it kind of just shows you like what you really want in life and what really is your purpose and what will fulfill you and nothing is worth your mental health or your physical health or your health in general it's like very important to find what really makes you like the happiest and I love making music but I wouldn't say I love the music business so it's best for me best for me to not be in the hub of that best for me to be away I can write songs from anywhere oh such a beautiful answer I really really love that and you know, you went when you were 17. And so I assume, obviously, all your, well, all your friends were back in Ireland. And yeah. so how was making new friends at such a young age in such a, in a place like LA? Like, did you, did you make like lifelong friends? Was it hard? Yeah, I definitely would say it was tough to, it, it was tough to start with because also in LA, it's, you know, it's 17, you can't go anywhere, you can't drive, you can't drink. Um, you know, you're, it's, you're kind of limited on your social activities. So I really was only meeting like older writers and producers or artists that I was working with and stuff like that. So I would say it was harder in the earlier years, but once I had some independence of like being able to drive there, being able to go to bars and clubs and like different social events, it became a lot easier. And I did meet some oddly, like, well, not oddly, but most of the people I'm closest to that I've met there are actually not from there. It's people that I like other English like girls that I met or this Canadian girl or like, so I have still to say like a group of very close girlfriends, even though I've moved back, we're still really close. So Ooh. I definitely made some like amazing friendships. They're not in music though at all. And then I would say I made some amazing business relationships that I've kept and I still write with those people and everything like that. So it definitely you know, I definitely also met a lot of toxic people and had to navigate my way through that. But that's what your 20s is kind of all about, isn't it? So I did all that. (laughs) So wherever you are, it's going to be like that 100%. Yeah. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, a brand new podcast bringing together people's real ghost, extraterrestrial and paranormal stories, as well as getting some inside details from those who study the supernatural. I'll be listening through your paranormal stories every week and try to understand them, as well as chatting about my own encounters with an occasional paranormal investigator too. 
You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. Just search for Paranormal Activity with Yvette Fielding. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ruth, what was then your third defining moment? I would say meeting my uh, fiancé and my baby daddy, who's my baby daddy and my fiancé, Ollie would say would be my... Because... Well, it's that, well, at the, I guess it defi- actually, yeah, it would be that right. But it also happened around the time where I chose to leave LA. So it's kind of two moments to, into one. So yeah. I was in LA, I was getting really depressed. I was feeling uninspired, unmotivated, and I was pretty successful as a songwriter at the time, but I felt like there was one piece missing and that was me being an artist. And I felt like I had s- stories to tell that weren't, other artists couldn't tell and so I decided to trial moving back to UK and Ireland like UK and being closer to home and it was during that time when I started doing everything that I only said yes to things that I really felt that I really wanted to do I started making this album by accident that I didn't really mean to make I just went over and I said I'm gonna write whatever I want to write and it ended up being my debut album over a three week period. And I met my fiance, uh, like a few months later after my trial, I started, I went to a gig and I sang a few of the songs for the first time as an artist I had performed in years. And I got such a good reaction. And my fiance happened to be there. He's best friends with uh, a best friend of mine and we'd never met, but we'd heard about each other. So that moment where I did that gig and I met him and I realized how much happier I was and fulfilled I was being an artist as well as being a songwriter and taking that leap into being an artist because I had so many people that might come up to me and say, oh, my God, like, where have you been? You know, because I've been in a, I've been in L.A. like, where, you know, you're an amazing artist. And I signed my record deal from that show and everything. So I feel like that whole night in 2017 was uh, a bit of a very defining moment because I met who's now my fiance and I transitioned into being an artist. Oh, the universe was like completely. (laughs) Because you were in your, in your flow, in your purpose. And you were in alignment doing what you really love. And then the universe gifted you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a big defining moment for sure. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah, because, you know, I wanted to ask. I mean, I think obviously when you were a performer and then you were writing all these songs for so many people and it, how was that kind of experience for you? Did you notice, did you feel at the time, like obviously you came to, you obviously came to the realisation, as you've just said, but did you feel it in that interim where you, did you feel like something was missing always? Yeah. Was it hard sometimes seeing your songs being sung by other people? That wasn't the hard part because that was incredibly exciting and fulfilling and still is. It's very hard to explain. It's like, it's like playing two roles. So the role of the artist is you're, you know, everyone laughs at your jokes. You're the star of the show. People go get you water. People are, you know, you're kind of like the, like the leading lady in a movie. Right. Mm -hmm. And the songwriter is kind of the supporting actress, right? The, the support, the support. And Mm. the songwriter can sometimes be treated um, a little bit like the ugly best friend, I would say. Right. Uh, depending on who you're with, depending on who you're working with. But a lot of the time, the songwriter is very disposable to labels, to record labels. We're not very paid very well sometimes. You know, there's a lot of things about being a songwriter that's very challenging. And you're rejected a lot of the time. Your songs are rejected. You're, you're, you're constantly trying to get that hit, right? Um, and I feel like sometimes as a, sometimes a lot of people, how do I say this without sounding like a weirdo? I'm a lot more comfortable in the role of, I wouldn't say being famous or anything like that, but I'm an entertainer at heart. I'm a performer at heart. I love to make, I love to make people feel something. I love to connect. I love to tell jokes. So I'm very much more comfortable in a role where I'm seen and heard, I guess, not in a famous way, but in the way of like, you know, I'm Irish. We love to tell stories. We love to be the life and soul of the party. We love to dance all night, like very extroverted and very people person. And I would sing for anybody, you know? And I felt like as a songwriter, sometimes I had to dim my shine because artists can get very, you know, I had to sing. If you sing too good, then they get insecure. It's all about everybody laughing at their jokes making them feel comfortable, you know, they're the best singer in the room, everything like that. And some artists love when they work with the singer and they don't get insecure, like Kelly Clarkson or Jennifer Hudson. I've worked with them and they're like, girl, sing. But there are some (laughs) artists that then are like, oh, I can't sing it as good as Ruth. Like, I don't want to be here now. And I've had some of those. So you find yourself having to dull your shine. You can't really tell very funny jokes you no one really wants to hear about your day or your life it's all about placating to the artist sometimes food wasn't even ordered for the songwriter in the room it's like everything's for the artist and I get that of course but I guess that's a long-winded answer and I don't know if I've explained it very well but what it's you juggling between being the lead actress and the supporting ugly ugly best friend which is a, what a lot of people have named songwriters and so that yeah. that sometimes could be quite challenging for me in the rooms but actually having artists sing my songs is incredible and I love that. That that's that's an unreal feeling because in a way it's amazing to be somewhere, to be at a Britney show in Vegas and people wearing the merchandise of the song that you wrote and nobody knows you did it, or being in the gym and hearing in you know, the BB Garrix and Martin Rex Martin Garrick song or someone singing too little too late from their car and no one knows you wrote it. Like that's I love that too. And I don't know if, yeah. fame, if I'm really built to be famous, famous, famous. 
But I think that once I started being an artist, there was a happiness that I had missed for so long, just being fulfilled and getting to be the role that I felt I was most comfortable in doing interviews is comfortable for me. Performing on stage is where I am most at home. And so I realized, wow, this is something that I have to do, whether it's for two people, 2000 or 20,000. I don't really have like a, I have to be the biggest artist in the world kind of thing. I just know that it's a part of me as a creative that I have to do as part of me being fulfilled. And I'll do it for whoever's listening. Oh, incredible. I mean, I think it makes, I love what you've said about, you know, and I think it makes it, I can imagine just hearing something you've written just that, and just knowing that in yourself as well, like you just yeah. it's so cool. But I think what you describe of kind of, because what you said was like, you know, it's like being the supporting actress, but those experiences of being in the room and being kind of like dulled or muted, that is not being a supporting actress. That's being just, I just think that's so disrespectful. I'm like, no, not for me. But people so don't I, people don't mean to do it. They don't even notice they're doing it. No. I, you know, I mean, and, and, and to be fair to artists, they are in a world where things are all about them. So they don't think, uh, by the way, I've worked with some artists that are totally very down to earth and ask me, how are you? But there's lots of artists where you're just interviewing them the whole time and they don't know how to, there's no back and forth on a, on a, on a conversation. And, and that's not always their fault. That's people around them. I remember oh, cool. I watched an interview with Billie Eilish and she was like, like, I had to learn to like have conversations with people because you're so used to everybody just asking you things and wanting to know about you that you have to be like, wait a sec, how are you? You know, and that, that can be challenging sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I've had some experiences that have been really not very even humane the way you're treated, but I've also had unreal experiences with artists that I love to death who are so nice to me and so good to me. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, it's, it's every, every, every situation is unique in its own way, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I'm so happy that now, you know, you are living your truth. And doing both. Are you still doing both? You still yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could never, yeah, I could never not do both because I'm kind of creatively greedy. I love too many genres and I have a certain <laughs> certain genre that I, you know, love as an art that I am as an artist, but then I also love making dance music. I love making like I just did a song that Diana Ross is releasing soon. And so like I love being a part of all these different artists' uh stories and history, music history. So I always do both. I think that I've just finally found the balance of how to do both. Oh, it's really I feel it was it's a very beautiful story to hear. Um, thank you. Just yeah, thank you for sharing your incredible talent with the world in both ways. Thank um, you. I'm so happy for you in this new journey and as as you become a mother, which is a whole other journey. Um but before you go, I do have yes. some quick five questions for you. Yeah. So the first one is your most memorable book. Uh, definitely how to win friends and influence people by Dale. Is it Dale Carnegie? That book. I haven't read that. Oh my God. So I only read it when I was, God, maybe I only read it a few years ago. It should be in every school for every teenager. It should be on the curriculum for every, every school. It is unbelievable because it teaches you how to deal with conflict. 
It teaches you how to deal with people because pe- managing people and managing relationships, right, is is one of the most crucial things in business, in personal life. And, you know, and, you know, you hear those stories where people ignore each other for years. Like this book gives you all the tools to really be able to, you know, nurture every relationship in your life in business as well. Get what you want without pushing people away or, you know, it's just such an incredible, incredible book. I would I can I've read it like three times and I've taken notes each time. Sold. I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Your favorite quote? My favorite quote I have, uh, I have two, but I've I've them both tattooed on me. So I have, one is when I was uh, 15, I said to my mom, you know, I want to go. Like I haven't been discovered yet. I was like freaking out that, you know, I'm never going to make it. If you make me stay in school, I want to go. Like, <laughs> let me, you know, and my mom gave me this book. She had said, once you get your education, you can go wherever you want. And she gave me this book called feel the fear and do it anyway because oh, as much, yeah so as much as I wanted to go I was I would always also have these moments of fear and my mom noticed that so she gave me this book called feel the fear and do it anyway it's one of my favorite books and I got it tattooed on the back of my neck when I first went to LA it was like in order to remind me to move there and take the plunge I got that tattoo and then I have another one make good art uh which is on my arm on my on my arm that I've tattooed and that's basically from this Neil Gaiman speech where he said when you're poor make good art when you're rich make good art sorry my dog's just starting to bark I'll say that go on you go out and when you're rich make good art when you're poor make good art no matter what happens in your life always bring it back to making the best art that you can so those are my two favorite um quotes love that um your go-to feel-good film uh, my go-to good uh feel-good film is oh there's two love actually and the holiday are like my favorites the best um <laughs> a moment where you felt most proud um I would say being Grammy nominated was definitely one of them and um, because that's something I always wanted to be. And also having my own artist song, my first single, The Vow, it's been used in so many people's weddings across the globe. And every video that I get, I just I'm so proud that it would be part of such a big moment for people in their lives. So, yeah, that's probably one as well. Your top tip for dealing with stress. Uh, stepping away, doing something for yourself like having a bath, a meditation, a massage, a walk by the sea or in a park. I listen to music. But the main thing I do to try and deal with my stress is to accept that I can't control everything and that some some of these things are out of my control. They're happening for a reason. And so I just try and lean into accepting that it is what it is, but that I do have choices. And I think with stress, it's all about making choices to eliminate the stress in your life. Love that. Um, oh, I'm interested to know your answer to this. A song that cheers you up. Oh, it's so hard to pick songs because I have so many. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought it was But recently, um, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Just the minute I hear that music, it just like, I just get into this vibe and zone and it, it just it just always makes me feel good. So definitely that. One thing you'd like to achieve in the next year? 
Um, I'd love to be a good mom and to learn and be able to still have a healthy work-life balance whilst being a mom, I think. Beautiful, beautiful. And the last question is, who is the first person you called to share good news? Uh, my fiance, Ollie, and my mom and my dad definitely are the first oh, three. <laughs> the team, the team. The team. Um, Ruth, thank you so, so much for being such thank an amazing you. Like, I really love chatting to you. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.